genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and go full Darth Vader in Spider-Man 2 <laughs> one no minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Mark. And I'm Nathan. Welcome, Welcome back, back, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are talking about Minute 43 of Spider-Man 2, which begins with Otto looking around in disbelief. <laughs> and ends with uh, Otto looking out on uh, the water over the river. Yeah. At uh, yeah. at something. Just across the river bend. I don't know yeah. if I got that right. Is that, that's shore. from Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was right. A lot of Otto looking. No. Oh, yeah. So, Big, so yeah, uh, one, one year later, we get a movie that has a very similar scene. <laughs> <laughs> very similar moment i should say yeah uh and it is you know completely lambasted for how absurd and out of character and ridiculous it is and whatever yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's almost exactly the same yeah uh and and so i why does this work is my question why 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 do we think this works whereas Darth Vader saying no in Revenge of the Sith doesn't work. He's more of a robot in that movie. This is he's only got robot snake arms in this thing. Snake tentacles. Yeah. So okay. uh, Vader's just full robot. My, That's my excuse. Yeah, my my ex- <laughs> my answer was just that the uh the nerd community is a uh a terrible place. People oh, who are nerds yes. are terrible. No, of course. We choose to be uh, angry at arbitrary things, uh, and we're just terrible people. <laughs> I think we, we like to get hung up on something that's like that sticks out in a tangible way, and yeah. and we can like pin Martha. our we can pin our feelings on it, even if our feelings might come from a general like unease with like narrative or character or things like that. It's easier to pin them on something that stands out. Like maybe, I don't know, somebody doing a dance sequence all dressed in black. Like uh-huh. you know, oh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't know if the actual element itself ever is the the focus of the scorn so much as it is a, a convenient lightning rod for it. So like right. here, this is a movie that works. This is a movie that's real good overall. This is a movie that has like a a pretty strong like through line character arc for this guy. And at this moment, this horrible thing's happened to him, and he yells no. And they're like, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a uh, like, <laughs> right? It's play. It's you know hitting that uh, turning the, the dial up to thirteen as he said. Isn't this isn't this something that <laughs> Sam did in uh, Darkman? Is it, I think didn't so. Darkman do this at some I th- point. I think. I mean, Darkman had this whole <laughs> thing, this whole arc basically. But I, I don't know if there's an exact shot like this. It feels similar. 
Like yeah. it feels like the part where he screams and then is like crying, like looking at his hands. It feels right. like that to me. Where it's yeah. it's big. Where he like collapses in the in the alley in that yeah, big, like yeah. gothic scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's big emotion, but I think it if it works because we relate to him and we're not resenting him at this point. Where I think when we get to Revenge of the Sith, people have been resenting um, Anakin and, by extension, uh, Hayden uh, for three movies. Well, two movies. Right, yeah. I guess he wasn't in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Movies, yeah. And it so it's like, we're not going to cut him any slack in a, in a big melodramatic moment, even if melodrama is part of the narrative. Here, we'll cut him a lot of slack because we feel for him. Yeah. I wonder if uh. it had anything to do with, um, like, like Otto's, uh, his unconscious arm attack. Um, was a big mm. climactic thing that was happening in the movie. Like we were, everybody was on the edge of the seats. You know, that was a yeah, big moment. That's true. Vader didn't have that. Vader did not go around the operating room swinging a lightsaber around. I think just some robots got crushed by you know force powers or whatever. But it, right. like <sighs> he went around just like tearing that place up with a lightsaber. Yeah, throwing the you know, the table up off the ground. Then he screamed no. Then I think it would have a more uh, you know yeah. a, a better hit to yeah. it. He yeah. just like screams and it's almost out of nowhere. Yeah. No. And I and I think I'm on board with you. Guys, I just wanted it was something I wanted to explore because I just <laughs> it just it, it just occurred it's to hard me to miss. Yeah, it yeah. occurred to me how how similar this is. And you know, the fact that they only came out a year apart um really struck me. Uh totally. where I was like, oh wow. Yeah. Um and I and I like the, I, I've never really when I, you know, I, I kind of grew up with the prequel, so I kinda enjoyed some of it most of it i really like episode one a lot anyways um so like the darth vader saying no and at the end of episode three was one of those things uh very similar to when nate and i covered uh the martha minute of dawn of justice where it was like it was one of those things like seeing it in the theater i remember being very like i get this but people are gonna make fun of this and it, sure uh-huh. enough it happened um yeah so it was, just, it was one of those things where i was like okay i like this but this is not going to fly very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Zach is, uh, he really hit the, hit the nail on the head or, uh, you know, put the lightning rod up, uh, <laughs> uh, when he said, when he said that these are the, these sometimes movies have moments that work as lightning rods, um, that, uh, you know, all of our scorn sort of goes toward when we don't right. like a movie overall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I think that Martha mo- moment is like that for people. And I think that Darth Vader shouting no moment is like that for people. Um, and, but yeah, when a movie works, you don't even notice that this movie, that, that this moment is a little, uh, overdramatic because yeah. <laughs> really like, yeah, yes. A lot of horrible things have happened to Otto. However, what 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 is he what is he shouting to saying no about in this particular moment? Like, right. are you saying that he that he sort of like snapped out of it and then he looked around and saw all of these me- the these dead medical professionals and is shouting no in honor of them or because he feels bad that his arms killed them or is it because he's remembering Rosie or is it because he's got these things still fused to his back? Like what exactly is he saying no about? It's not clear, but it, no. but like Zach always says, it feels <laughs> emotionally right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. all that matters. Whereas in Revenge of the Sith, it doesn't feel emotionally right for the moment. 
like you yeah. guys were talking about. It doesn't mm. felt it didn't feel like we built to anything. It just happens. Which you could say as a criticism of the prequel trilogy as a whole. It, it doesn't really <laughs> yeah. build to anything. <laughs> but some of those options that you said that like, you know, what is it that he's screaming no about? Like some of those answers, it's like a like there's multiple answers. Like mm-hmm. definitely the like definitely remembering everything that happened at the uh you know, with the, the in his lab, yeah, in yeah. the lab. And I think no, because he's alive. But I also was thinking, Ooh. like, <laughs> Ooh. oh, I like that the yeah. best. That's Ooh, the best. That's dark. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, yeah. I yeah. mean, it seems real dark, but I mean, like, if one, you look around and there's all this desk, and like, I mean, you're a smart guy, you're a smart scientist. Yeah. Somewhere in your mind, and like in this, I think the tentacles maybe uh, rewired your brain or something like that to make you actually mm-hmm. remember and maybe have images of all these people killing. And it's like, oh mm-hmm. snap, I did this. I should be dead. I, he says it in the movie. I think I should be at the bottom of this river. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where this dude, you know, at at some point, he does not want to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. He probably accepted that he was dying when the the flare went into, like, his back and he got all electrocuted and fused. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he... Then he's not. <laughs> he has to again, no, like Darkman. You again, know what? I can, I can, I can relate to to shouting in the sky. No, just from the pure horror of being alive in this world. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that checks You're out. Not wrong. Uh, no, I'm already in hell. No. <laughs> I was in a what was I, I was in a car accident like like five years ago. Oh man! And I remember one of those things where I came home. I was like, dude. I have to pay for all this. I'd rather just be like, and I was like, I didn't want to tell (laughs) anyone at the time, but I was like, I wish I had just died in the car accident. So we would not be having this like aftermath. And and I was like, and you know, we're past that now, but like, we'll go back to Spider-Man minute where we get real dark. Well, yeah, (laughs) this is the last minute I'm going to be talking about Dr. Octopus, but it's like, there's so so many reasons why I started to like this character. And one of my notes for this minute is, is Frankenstein's monster because like you Mm. are this monster now. So when you brought that up, I was like, yeah, that, that's it Nate yeah. it's like you, like one of the multiple things is like everything that happened at the lab you lost the love of your life you're alive but you're this monster and two or like whatever number we're on like your inhibitor chip like you must realize in the, his spine that he's connected with these things that he realizes hey I can't control these things yeah. and they killed all these people mm-hmm. and there's no way I'm walking out of this hospital you know an innocent man anymore yeah. it's like all those things they just stack up and there's and and it's interesting too because um you know doc ock is a character in the regular 616 universe uh up until um up until his diagnosis i think in uh issue 600 mm-hmm. yeah um he was uh his his uh his his arms were not fused to his body um yeah, they yeah. they weren't. Mm-hmm. They could they could come off of him and work independently of him. Yeah, um, and that's that's usually how he broke out of prison is that it would happen like that. Uh, <laughs> and and it wasn't um, it wasn't until uh, Ultimate Spider Man that we got the first Doc Ock with the with the tentacles actually fused to his body that they couldn't come off. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, that was that was a Bendis thing. Um, which would have been, I think, around two thousand two, two thousand three, yeah. something like that. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think, I think, because it's the third arc of Ultimate Spider-Man is the Doc right. Ock arc. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that would have been. Uh, well, no, that would have only been like two thousand one ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two thousand, sometime mid two thousand one. So even before the first Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, then later, like the six one six Doc Ock, when when he gets that that um, 
when he when he gets told that like he's dying or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we see that he has turned into this uh, like mummy in a sarcophagus, <laughs> like freak guy um, really as, yeah. <laughs> as, as Dr. Octopus. And I almost wonder if that change wasn't a direct result of this, of just like, he has to be more of a monster because if he's just a guy who mm-hmm. can control these arms whenever he wants and take them off whenever he wants, th- like it's, it's not, he's not tragic yeah. at mm-hmm. all. Um, and we yeah. need we need a, a level of tragedy. And so by making him this horrific monster that he is, um, you know, toward the end leading to Superior Spider-Man uh, or with those last 100 issues or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's this monstrous thing. Like and yeah, yeah, right. And and I think that that yeah, I, I think this movie might have something to do with that a little sure. bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with that, like that tragic element to uh, Otto, it just wasn't part of his uh, origin prior to this movie. Yeah. 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 It's something I need for like for me to enjoy a villain. Like I, I enjoy the villains that have tragic downfalls, like villains that that were fallen heroes, you know, yeah. and like, mm-hmm. you know, this Octavius that we got earlier in the film where he's helping Spy- uh, he's helping Peter Parker like just be Peter Parker and like, you know, like giving him good advice, advice that you could take out of the film and apply to your life. And, and you're so kind of jealous with like the relationship between him and his wife. And it's like, and it's like, I want that. And then you, and then you get to this part and it's like, you feel things. You're like, like it is a whole no situation. You're like, I can't believe it came. Like, I don't know. I I love it. I love villains that have these, these downfalls because it, you can relate to them. You know, there's some part of you that that might relate to it. It's uh, there's like a self destruction destructive aspect to it or something. Right. Like, it, I I you know that's why, I, you know, like I said uh, earlier, like I didn't care about the Spider-Man franchise when I was 12 years old or whatever. But once I walked out of this movie theater, this was like my favorite comic book movie and mm-hmm. favorite favorite character. Not even villain, just character because there's nothing cooler but also deep down depressing about this character yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. well you get to like experience the like lessons of their life without having to go through it yourself you know there's something kind of freeing in that with with Mm -hmm. good villains that are um empathetic that they're not just like mega you know maniacs it's like oh i can see how someone can become this way I, now I know I I don't have to, but you can indulge in the feeling of it to a certain degree. That's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. really good. Um, good. I like his uh, <laughs> his monster stomp out of there when he's like throwing, you know, uh, when he leaves the hospital. And he's, yeah, uh, just just dad botting it up and uh, stumbling around with the like the big heavy thumps of the. Um, I don't know what I've forgotten the names of the tentacles. I'm, I'll be in trouble for this. Um, the Waldos? But, yeah, the Waldos. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that like they had individual names, Mo and Flo and whoever the bottom ones are. But like the bottom ones are the heavy like uh you know, weight uh, uh, uh lifting ones, I guess. And so when they're yeah. like thudding around behind him like there is it's again Jurassic Parky to a certain degree. Um, yeah, yeah, which... yeah. No, it totally is. And we're getting a really good shot of uh, of how the, uh, the the band around his waist is uh, melted into his body. Um, it's uh, it's pretty messed up. Pretty yeah. messed up. That that did some damage. That totally. did some damage. Um, 
and we and we go back to the back lots like it's a monster movie like I, yeah I, I oh that. i love that the cab throw it's it's still a pretty good visual effect this bit with the cab and i think yeah. part of it is i mean I, I guess if you go frame by frame and just like look at the way the tentacles are rendered like maybe some of the surface detailing doesn't hold up like to current standards but i think part of it is that they had a physical cab and they had alfred molina physically there and he throws himself into this gesture so enthusiastically. I mean, like, mm-hmm. when we cut to it being th- thrown, obviously it's a CGI cab, but, like, this really, like, dynamic, almost dance-like gesture, this, like, um, his arm flinging out. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know, there's something about it where, because I buy him in the scene, I buy everything else. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it goes flying, and I'm just like, oh, man, that's, it's- ugh. Power. It's like they told him to throw something, but without grabbing it. It's like do the yeah. whole like do the whole body motion of you mm-hmm. actually like taking something and chucking it from behind your back, but don't actually touch the object. Like yeah, don't do move your motion. arms. Yeah, just that's just you know fantastic directing. Like you can, we get it a lot with like nonverbal uh, communication in a lot of like uh, Zack Snyder's films and everything. Mm. But you can really tell like a good strong part, yeah, a strong suit of a director when they can actually get the actors to make us believe you know what we're actually without even saying yeah it. especially we're seeing like cgi things you know believe what right. we're, you know that, like what mark said that without even saying it right right yeah right yeah i mean that's and that's when it works the best is when you are uh mixing that that sort of uh practical with with the cg like that's mm-hmm. that's when these moments work the best uh, you know, it, it's why I think, uh, you know, Guardians Volume 1 looks better than Guardians Volume 2 because mm-hmm. Volume 1 had lots of practical sets and things and mm-hmm. Volume 2 was almost entirely green screen. Yeah. And you can tell, like, it feels like they're walking around the holodeck in the second one. Um, yeah. And and it doesn't it doesn't quite work as well uh, sometimes, especially like on Ego's planet, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like. this this moment is just such a perfect mix. It's like you're leaning into your it's like, OK, we know what we're capable of. Right. So we're mm-hmm. not going to try and do more than we should like we did in the first movie. Um, you know, like with the, with the, the water balloon (laughs) Spider-Man, um, instead we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to design these shots and we're going to use our actors and use our, our physical, uh, car and our, and our back lot and everything to sort of blend all of these things together in a way and really, really lean into the strengths that we have in CG, um, by kind of hiding it, you know, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think it, it, it works really well. I mean, I, I honestly believe that that largely the uh, Sam is a large part of that, but I do think Bill Pope has a, has a really big part of that because, you know, Bill Pope, he knows how to make crazy CG elements look real. He knows how to blend those things together. Like mm-hmm. look, if you look at the work he did on Scott Pilgrim, it's crazy. Um, The stuff that he was able to mix together and make look part of that world. Uh, Or his work on The Matrix or anything. Like, he's really good at... I mean, it's not just the skill of the people who are doing the compositing at the end of the day in post-production. It's literally, on the day we shoot it, Mm -hmm. knowing how to light the individual components so that they will fit together better later. Right. You can't really... 
you can't go back in time and fix that. You have right. to get it right on the day. <laughs> that's why that that's why that right. that saying of uh, we'll fix it in post is such a joke. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a huge joke in the industry. Like if you say, ah, we'll fix it in post, everybody laughs because they know you can't. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you're admitting defeat is what you're doing at that moment. It's exactly, like, exactly. Like, all right, we'll fix it in post. It'll never be as good as we want it to be because uh, right. we failed. We just failed. Great. <laughs> um, fixed. Uh, speaking of um, uh, the this back lot, uh, mm. is it is it just me or on the right side of that frame where he's uh, throwing the the taxi? Is that mm. the theater where MJ's play is? Is Ooh. it? Like- oh, it might be. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, it's yeah. called the the Lyric Theater earlier. Um, I can't. I mean, there's, I can't read what it says on the. On the yeah, side. I can't read it. It it's might. It away. might be. Yeah. Yeah. On the the like way back there, because I mean, that's yeah. the thing about backlots is there's only so many like street corners they have built. So <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you have to cheat it a lot. Um, right. But that would right. be a fun detail. That this idea that you know Midtown, um, Midtown Hospital, whatever they call this, Midtown Blank. Right. Uh, yeah yeah is just down the street from the lyric um yeah that's fun like that i love i love when we see the the taxi land on the other taxi you can see extras out of focus in the background running away in terror (laughs) (laughs) and it's great i I just love it when people drop cars on things like it's so Mm -hmm. i i in, in superhero stuff at this point, maybe it's a little bit of a cliche, but I think one of the reasons it happens so much is the idea that when you're a person like living your life day to day, when you have a situation where you're like frustrated and you have a like subconscious desire to move things or to like have an ability to like make this better, it's usually like, I wish I could just like fly away from here and not deal with this. Or the thing I feel all the time, because I spent a lot of time stuck in traffic here in LA. There's this weird, deep subconscious desire that happens to me where, like, I just wish I could toss all these cars out of the way. Like, yeah. whether it's, I just oh, get out of here, just get out of here. And that, having it, like, actually happen, there's something so, like, delicious about it. Even though, like, in real life, you don't want, you know, the massive loss of life and limb and collateral damage <laughs> and whatnot. You don't want that. But there is that, there's something satisfying about cars getting smashed and thrown around. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to what I said about being in a car accident. Besides oh, that, I do oh, find yeah. car I find car accidents very weirdly satisfying, appealing to, to watch. Sure, and like yeah. every time Nate and I are going to go record somewhere, and like we see a car accident, it's like I love enjoying to like oh, see a car accident. And be like, oh, well, look at that thing! Hit that thing straight on, and like we'll like go into analysis and be like, yo, it hit that. I think wall. what we like more about it is like the physicality of it. Yeah, like, what, yeah. <laughs> what actually mangled happens in, metal? Something yeah. about it just like, just like, oh, that's so weird, but cool. And it's, and it's one of the few times that we like not few times. It's one of the few regular times in our day to day life that we have control over something that is by many factors stronger than a human being. You know, like, yeah, I can't I can't run fast like the flash. But when I, you know, like hit the freeway and I like go past 70, I feel this sort of thrill of control over the machine and that like I'm going fast now. I've become super powered here in this moment or Mm -hmm. the the idea of like when you see a car crash with like uh, like the crash test dummies or whatever. And like the the stats come up on screen where like this hit with thirty eight thousand pounds of force like. That's the only time we get to wield physical power in that yeah. way, you know? So, like, yeah. anything that happens to a car feels personal to us. I don't know. 
Yeah. Like imagine imagine being a director and, and like walking into work that day and be like, yeah, we get to drop a car today. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's gotta be so cool to be like, yo, we're gonna hey, we're we're dropping this car today. Or like mm-hmm. what is it in like t- the movie Twister? Like, yo, we're dropping an oil tanker today. Yeah. And it's like that's so cool to walk into work, like, yo, we're doing this. It's happening. We got cows. <laughs> um <yeah. laughs> uh, so so okay, so these this taxi is coming right for Otto. His arms mm. instinctually, uh, you know, jut out and throw this this taxi out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, it is an act of like the arms are almost protecting him. Yeah. Uh, and there's even this moment after that happens, after he sort of like looks at the wreckage and he's just like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" The arms sort of do this thing where they're Almost like looking for his approval. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like like a like a like a dog who's like, Did I do a good job? You know? Uh-huh. Um, you sure did. Yeah. You sure did. <laughs> it's really interesting because it because it, it's in that moment that his that Otto's attitude changes because he's like, Oh, they're like my pets. Yeah. You know? They're not just monstrous, they're they care about babies. Yeah. yeah. They're alive. Yeah. Right. Cause, yeah. Because they, they would have survived the crash. Like if the if the cab just plowed into auto right there, the mm-hmm. arms would be okay. But they knew he wouldn't. So they like there's that that appreciation moment is like on this visceral sort of you know, violent uh uh violent mediation, I guess. Like this idea that I could have died just now. And I didn't because of them. I have to mm-hmm. not hate them. I don't know. It's it's weird and, and powerful. Yeah. Unlike Venom, they can't. The symbiote can't just leave the host and go to a new one. Like yeah. if he dies, they die. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get this um this incredible oh, shot of golly. that that sort of like yeah the profile look back and the with the oh, with it just like popping open with the arm popping open. Oh, it's so good. Um, that's a trailer shot. That's sure. a trailer shot, mm-hmm. and it's the one that feels the most like a comic book frame, maybe since Power of the Sun. Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so yeah. cool. No, I can, I can <laughs> absolutely picture uh, that panel. Um, actually, you know, it looks like a comic book cover. Yeah, that's what I, I was gonna say that, but I was like, is it? Because I was like, I mean, you put that on a comic book cover and it sells. Yeah, totally. totally. No, completely. Um, I think even awesome. after this movie, if you put Octopus on any comic book cover, it would have sold. <laughs> right. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Golly. I uh, mean, you made him the main character of a Spider-Man like arc, so I I bought it. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> worked out well. Yeah, completely. Um, um, yeah, and, and I, I, uh, I also love that they, you know, they were so shiny in Chrome um, in, uh, in, in the before the experiment uh mm-hmm. but after the accident they're sort of like dingy because yeah. they yeah you know they were in the explosion and and right there when the sun blew up so <laughs> yeah. um they've they're they're just sort of like black and dingy and they're just they they look old now um yeah it's, yeah. it's really interesting uh but it actually i actually think it makes them look more alive mm-hmm. yeah they almost look more <clears throat> it's weird to say realistic because they were physical props then and they are physical props now when they're close up but like mm-hmm. you know it's sort of the star wars thing of like the um 
the lived, lived in, in. Yeah. yeah 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 the dirty uh futurism feels more real than um the clean and shiny one yes yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool it's, it's a reason i like them so much because you get like a lot of the, the yellow starts to stand out within their their arms and mm-hmm. like yeah that just that rusted look and when the the bigger fingertips on the arms tend to like peel back like it almost looks kind of rust rusty-ish as it pulls back a bit totally yeah. i just love it that's really cool it's just so, a cool looking character my god <laughs> yeah is. right it really is <laughs> um so so uh one what, what other uh auto octavius doc ock stuff do you guys have uh that you want to talk about i think we're both on the same level of like um when when slot superior spider-man came out that was like on a completely different level it mm. was like just that like it was like oh hey dr octopus is spider-man now and all of us in our friends group there was three of us that really were like really big on it we're just like what do you mean like how good can this really be and then it just was you know honestly page turner after page turner and so emotionally charged there at the end it there's a difference between like normal you know 2000s auto octavius in spider-man universe versus what you know slot did for uh, the character after being in the body of peter parker and being the superior spider-man he really did in all sense of the title, actually became the... I know that he discredited himself for it, but I actually do believe that he was the superior Spider-Man. The only thing that he couldn't really do was do that whole, you know, power responsibility thing that Peter Parker somehow magically is able to, you know, have a good balance. Yeah, that whole thing. But (laughs) other than that, he was a phenomenal character, and it just made me fall in love with with Octopus even more so. I mean, it, it gave him personality. It gave him, you know... You know, purpose in his life. He just wasn't some crazed scientist that was chasing after a kid spider. Like it was, mm-hmm. he was Otto Octavius. He was the mm-hmm. superior Spider Man. It was, he was trying to be the very best that he could be, knowing full well that all of the, you know, bad stuff that he did is octopus. Like yeah. in some yeah. way, he was trying to. Uh, what is what is the word? Um, redeem himself. Uh, redeem himself, I guess, in a, in a really weird way, but for some reason it worked you know all the way through the end issue one all the way to the end honestly yeah it just just as much as i like the the fallen hero aspect for villains it's always interesting and i always love reading about heroes that that take the dark turn um for the sake of sake of peace like going to like eric Fromm's escape from freedom like i always bring that up and like Hmm. you know you always have this balance between freedom and peace and it's almost it's a scale you know how much peace you want takes away from the freedom you want and so we have characters from like uh cortana from halo or dr octopus's superior spider-man or even superman and injustice where they they go down these paths of like i'm gonna be a hero but it ain't gonna be pretty and we're gonna want peace in this world if you guys want peace it's going to come at a cost and like, and they like go down like fallen hero status as a, mm-hmm. as a villain. And, and sometimes I really enjoy reading those. Most of the time yeah. I really enjoy reading those. Well, it's, it's a handy way to like um, contextualize heroism. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, it's, it's a good way to like reflect on, I mean, it, uh, one, it's like fun to like go down the dark path, but also in terms of like, it makes you reassess and reevaluate and appreciate more traditional heroism. Like I, I, I definitely know I didn't read all of um, Superior Spider-Man, but what um, I'm definitely going to get to it soon. But one of the things that stuck out for me with it was the idea that 
in learning more about how Otto approached this whole thing, it just made me appreciate Peter Parker more. You know, like oh yeah, my my love for the original version of the character only grew as I was interrogating this alternate take on it. So it's, yeah, yeah, right. And, and exactly. another reason I, I love this character so much. Another reason I, I fell in love with this character so much is I have a a huge fascination. And I'm so in love with cyberization, cybernetics. Um, it's mm. just something that's always uh, I've always been in love with. Like, uh, I cyberpunk is one of my favorite genres. Like, seeing people that have cybernetics nowadays. Like, Cyborg is one of my favorite characters in the Justice League, and one of my mm. favorite characters in, in the Justice League movie. And and it's like, you know, when I left this theater seeing this movie. I could think about nothing would be cooler in the world than to have these mechanical arms that that kind of walk <laughs> for you and like they give you this this stature, this pose, and like they can do so much for you, and they don't die because they're they're mechanic and they're yeah. they're non organic, and you know like if I could like could I get like a full cyberized body and like just you know this ghost <laughs> in the shell, like I I live for it, and sometimes I'm like. I wish I could just sell my body to science and do it because I, I'm so in love with cyberization and I'm so late, for man. it. I know. I follow yeah. some people on Instagram that have bionic. They are technically like they have bionic Technically arms. enhanced? Is that what they're, they're called? Cyborgs? Yeah. Yeah. They, they call yeah. themselves. People call themselves cyborgs nowadays if you have a bionic arm or whatnot. And I'm like, that's so cool. You can move your arm <laughs> in a 360 rotation. I can't do that. And it never dies. What the heck? I want that. And <laughs> turn so, into an ion cannon. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm all about... <laughs> Anything, like I said in um, uh, minute forty-one, if it's if it's a mechanical thing, I'm I'm so about it, and I love it. So like I love this character, and I love Cyborg, and I love Ultron as a character. Like mm. they just work for me. They're just yeah. so cool. Mm. Yeah, they are cool. It's they true. Are. Yeah, I think I think I mean the thing that I I'm just you know uh, we haven't even hit. Uh, Otto's iconic look in the movie yet, um, right? That's that's coming in a couple of weeks, and I I'm just I'm just really str- stricken with how this version of the character isn't you know isn't really anything like the character in the comics at this point, and it just mm. it, and yet it still feels like Doctor Octopus and. I don't know how they did that and it's, but it's impressive. It's, I mean, mm. it's really, it's a reinvention almost to the level of like penguin uh, or cowboy oh, yeah. in Batman yeah. returns, you know, yeah. where it's just like, Oh yeah, that's not really anything like what that character actually is, but it's still <laughs> recognizably that character, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really interesting and yeah, it definitely defined the character uh, ever since. And it's just so, just seeing him stand here with these arms and he, he just, he looks like Dr. Octopus. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is. I think they were like, you know, if you focus on the arms, like if the arms are the priority, if they are the, the, the big hit and the bestseller part of him, it doesn't matter what he's wearing. Like yeah. mm-hmm. just seeing him mm-hmm. walk around with this, with just the belt and like the medical, like get up. It's like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. He's like, you know, back then when I saw the film, like I didn't care if he had the dad bod, like the arms are like, those are cool. Like, yeah, you know, I don't like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, no, it's In just all it's senses of the awesome. word. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's great. It's great. 
what a what a what a great uh realization of this character and it's and it's certainly um it, it's it's a great way to sort of i mean i mean that's ultimately i think the issue with with green goblin right is like it's mm. difficult to get the green goblin right on in in on screen i mean because they're afraid of just straight up doing like like uh the, the halloween man um yeah like he is in the <laughs> comics they seem to be afraid of doing that and so it's it's difficult to to nail him down because he doesn't have that one iconic thing to really like hook into uh he's yeah. uh he's he's a combination of lots of things whereas dr octopus can look like anything as long as you get the arms right like you yeah said, you yeah. know and and uh, it's always going to be Doctor Octopus as long as he has those arms, and that's uh, yeah, that's really cool. That's that's really cool. I'm yeah. trying to think because like Thor now has changed from the movies. Like he wasn't Thor was you know he always had the helmet. He was he was very much like he was in the first ten minutes of the Thor film, like the mm-hmm. first one. Yeah, and then but the way we see Thor now is 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 a lot different, and he doesn't even wear the helmet anymore that we're so mm-hmm. used. To, we used to see him wear all the time. Right. Yeah. But it's like as long as you have the hammer and, uh, and a cape, I guess you're all right. I don't know. If, there's hair. something about well, like you have the hammer and you have like, uh, I don't know, just handsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think with the with the MCU, at least it's one of those things where um, they've become so confident in associating the actors with the characters uh, because they've been in business for 10 years now that they can start to strip away the stuff and like, it's no longer, Oh, the guy with the helmet and the hammer, that's Thor. It's no Chris Hemsworth is Thor. So you can have an Iron Man without suits in his third movie. And you can have a Thor without his hammer in his third movie or a captain America without his shield at the end of his third movie. And people are still like, Oh yeah. Captain America, Thor. That's true. Iron Man. I'm hoping the Aquaman, Jason Momoa thing stays. Like, I'm hoping that becomes concrete. (laughs) Keep my fingers crossed because I'm about it. It's a fun design. I I like that take on the character a lot. I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to the... um, Who's the, the director? Solo movie. Yeah, the solo uh, movie. Juan, Juan, right? Juan. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, James Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Another horror director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Good looks for Aquaman. Good looks for Aquaman. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's exciting. Um, also, Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah. Big Willem Dafoe fans over here um, on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. We are, too. We yeah. are, too. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm okay with the Green Goblin uh suit in the first movie yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah um all right well i think that's i think that's all we got here uh sure. yeah. one one final time tell people where they can find you guys talking about dc stuff you can find us talking about dc stuff on uh all things where you get your normal podcasts uh itunes google play uh, things like that. You can also find us on twooldmedia.com that has all of our shows and uh, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society on Facebook. Um, all tags, hashtags, or whatever at DCEU Minute. And uh, yeah, twooldmedia.com. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for being on again. Uh, hopefully, we can get you back for Spider Man 3. Oh, yeah. Well, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, then we will we will talk to you guys then. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with some new guests and uh, Minute 44. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.